1: are icons their stories are noble in fact each story into the game is golden it's way more than just a game it's a play of story into the pitch and all that she overcame is football 2019 and this is its brand new face football inside out by copper 90
2: yo it's monkey here and i'm heath and this is Football Inside Out, a podcast from Copa 90. We're coming to you every day from the Copa 90 Clubhouse in Paris, uh, bringing all the excitement from the 2019 Women's World Cup in
3: France. And here's what we've got for you today. So Beth Mead uh, chatted with us prior to the World Cup and an England star. We've also got the man in the know, Ellie Menjim, bringing you everything you need to know about England and Scotland ahead of their match tonight. But first. We've got a little recap from last night's matches as well as all the other things you need to know going into your day.
2: Football Inside Out by Copper 90 So, number one is penalties. We had our first penalties of the tournament including a very controversial one uh, in the Spain-South Africa match where it was given on VAR that it was a dangerous challenge but i actually don't think it was
3: no no i, think I don't think i don't think it was a penalty
2: uh, no you think it was a yellow card though? i think it was a
3: second yellow card she left her leg out she was trying to get a little 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 meat on the end of those studs for sure. yeah
2: i think it was just bad form in a
3: f- kick rather bad, than a tackle uh, bad form gets you a lot of yellow cards That's uh, true. regardless but roberto carlos i mean roberto baggio just <laughs> recently said uh that he still doesn't sleep all night after missing his world cup final penalty but you know jennifer hermoso stepped up and nailed two today yeah Geez. she did no worries number two finish your chances china did well for large spells in the match but didn't finish the two huge chances that they did that led to germany going on to manage that match and winning one nil which has now extended their streak of not losing in the group stages for 17 matches dating back to 1995. And on the flip side finishing your chances shoot your shot is what i say south africa scored with their first shot on target ever at a World Cup, so take that chance. Whether it's at a bar, a cafe, nightclub, or on the pitch, take your chances. No We've only ahead. got
2: a minute left to get through these. Oh, so, number three, nine point eight million French people tuned into the opening match of the first match of the World Cup. All right, Round of All right. that's amazing. I
3: like that. It seems like a great number. I, I I haven't compared it to anything, but it seems like a really great number and a great start because they they absolutely battered. Korea Republic. Yes, they did. Number four. a Bit of sad news. Marta is ruled out of the
2: World Cup opener for Brazil today. So you will not see her play. You might see her on the bench, but only in name apparently, and support, but not on the field.
3: Wow. So will she dress then? I don't know. Maybe she's all dress. She'll come comfy. I think. I think in the World Cup twenty, all twenty three dress. I don't think there's like an eighteen. I think all twenty three dress. So oh, they do. Maybe she'll just be dressed.
2: Maybe like a John Terry, yeah. just come dressed on the yeah, field and pick okay. up the cup and be like
3: full kit wanker <laughs> um, and last one we, we've got some uh, matches who do we have playing
2: today we've got Australia versus Italy Brazil versus Japan and the big one England
3: versus Scotland why does that have to be the big one because I'm English ah okay I had no idea by the
2: accent
3: <laughs> all this time I thought you were Australian Yeah, oh, learning so gosh. much about you uh, but yeah big matches I think that the, the biggest uh, match day of the World Cup so far three teams that could potentially reach the semi-finals all playing in uh, different matches and not to rule out the other three because there could be some cinderella stories but
2: yeah amazing and those are our five things that you need to know for today now we're going to get into the rest of the episode and a whole new day of action on the women's world cup today and our man ellie mingham has got the inside score here's what you really need to know about england
1: Ranked the highest ever third in the world, the England team that heads to France may look relatively similar to the Canada 2015 team on the pitch, but off it, they're radically different from four years ago, thanks to huge investment from the FA in all manners of the game. And whilst the England side of 2015 defeated all expectations by making it to the semi-finals, eventually winning the third place playoff, that would be the least of expectations for this side, who won the recent She Believes Cup ahead of powerhouses Brazil, Japan and even the USA. Add to that an array of bona fide stars in every position, from Lucy Bronze in defence to Jill Scott and Georgia Stanway in the middle and the likes of Fran Kirby, Tony Duggan and Nikita Paris up front. And it really wouldn't be too far of a stretch to say the Lionesses have every chance of winning the tournament. But here's what you really need to know about England.
2: Inside Inside School.
1: England has always prided itself as being the home of football, thanks to its illustrious history, from inventing the modern rules of the game, to its iconic 1966 World Cup win, to its world-famous Premier League. But when it comes to the women's side, they've always lagged behind other nations, who dedicated far more resources and time. But all that changed a few years ago, when the FA implemented its Game Plan for Growth program in 2017, which created a complete revamp of the entire women's setup. The women's national side saw massive investment in all manners from the senior to junior levels. The country's national league, the WSL, or the Women's Super League, became the only full-time professional league in Europe and moved from a summer to winter calendar. The top four tiers were given new, dynamic, modern branding to appeal to a broader audience. Massive investment was implemented in attempting to reach the FA's target of doubling the number of affiliated girls and women's teams from 6,000 to 12,000, and a bid was put in to host the 2021 Women's Euros. In a matter of short years, the Game for Growth movement is already paying off, with direct qualification of France 2019, an impressive She Believes Cup tournament win, WSL crowds up despite the more difficult weather conditions of the new alternate calendar, youth participation numbers through the roof and the 2021 Euros bid successfully won. And the corporate world has followed suit with Barclays Bank and Boots Pharmacy announcing three-year £10 million sponsorships of the WSL and the five British Isles teams respectively. For a long time, the women's game has suffered the chicken or egg dilemma, where the question has always been, do you invest to create success, or do you need the success first before the investment comes in? Well, it's fair to say, England and the FA may just have found the answer, proving that if you invest, the success on and off the pitch will eventuate, and a positive campaign in France may just be the inspiration for further investment in the game, and inspire other nations who lag behind to do the same. Come on, England.
2: That's all I've got to say on
3: that. I'm, I'm... I'm... I want to take this right now take it to the U.S. Soccer Federation and go, they're coming. <laughs> you know, I, I literally, you look at all the, all the infrastructure that they're building and I know we, we, we constantly talk about uh, the U.S. being a place that's, that's well ahead of, of a lot of other countries, but a lot, of, a lot of nations are catching up and this is a true long-term game plan that I'm kind of jealous about. I'm kind of like, I want to take this as the blueprint to the U.S. and other nations and go, this is how you do it because they're going to be the best in the world soon. So you need to step your game up.
2: Yeah, we're definitely coming for you. Um, I think that I heard this um, quite cool fact, actually. I was listening to uh, Phil Neville on another podcast and he was saying that um, in the camp that they did recently before the World Cup, obviously the men were training as well because they have the uh, Nations Cup coming up or they got beat by Holland, but let's not talk about that. And they gave priority to the women's team because they, their competition was more of a priority to the England camp. And so they got all the best digs And I think that's great because that way the whole, everybody's on board. It's not just like a singular thing. Obviously, Gareth Southgate is on board and the whole FA, they are prioritizing the women. And that's probably the first time that that's ever happened. I know the French national team had to make way for a men's friendly, even though that they were preparing for a World Cup in their home nation.
3: Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Mm. That's, I mean, that's such interesting information. It's, It's such a cool thing to see because it's coming from, uh, the teams themselves, which are which are kind of interconnected, right? So it's not like somebody saying one's less or more. They're just saying, this is what needs to happen. And it's yeah. a very logical response. A lot of times what seems like logical isn't it, it's still in the women's game. And yeah. to see that becoming just, this is a logical conclusion. So we're going to do it because it makes sense, yeah. should be the, 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 the most common conversation that we're having. And it's still not quite here, that, here yet. So it's good to hear that they're they're, they're doing that.
2: Yeah, it's really cool. It was really cool to hear that fact, actually. Um, and I think Phil Neville's like a really exciting manager to have for England because obviously he's the first ex- sort of ex-professional men's player to manage the women's national team. And, and that's such an easy thing for the other players to buy into because he's been there. He's been to the major tournaments. He's been managed in those major tournaments. He's got caps for England and for one of the biggest clubs in the world, Manchester United. So... If I was a player, I'd be hyped to play under him, you know, and, and to hear his knowledge and, and to learn from him. So Absolutely. I'm excited for them. I'm you, so excited for them.
3: You, you've mentioned so many times, you know, uh, already of, of, of your younger career of looking up to male players. Mm. It, it's, still, it's still the case, right? I mean, m- myself, when I was younger, I looked up to the 99er team. Yeah, we had the 94 World Cup in the US, and that was a big moment for just general soccer fandom. But when you can rally behind a team that's actually talented... And it's good and it's winning things, just like they have now on the England squad. She believes Cup, third place finish in the World Cup. Now one of the favorites with a really, really talented squad and a, and bona fide stars, but an actual legitimate chance to win something. Mm-hmm. It's sort of that recipe that that doesn't just make more people fans, but just legitimizes it all in in a way that that makes it fun. You know, it's, yeah. it's a really cool thing to get behind.
2: When I went to the opening game the other day, I just. The atmosphere of that place was so electric and the the crowd were actually not what i was expecting i didn't know really what to expect but i think what i'd been told was a lot of the crowds are a lot, like a lot of families and a lot of young kids but in actual fact it was such a mix and broad range of people which match was this uh the front the opening france versus uh, korea game
3: oh the one that you ditched me to go to the, the opening yeah 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 <laughs>
2: yeah But it was like, you know, really, really young girls, really young boys, uh, older guys, older women, uh, families, groups of lads just on their own, um, like early 20s, late teens, who would start chants. And then like everyone else would join in. Mexican waves, whistles. um, I saw a pride flag being taken out of a bag uh, near the career stand massive one and sort of waved by, by a few hundreds of fans which I've never seen in a football match I've never seen a pride flag be brought out at, at a game you might see a few billboards like you know which are obviously put up by the club or whatever but to actual fans to bring it out that, that's a first for me so the atmosphere was so so inclusive and so electric and yeah I have got a bit emotional actually um, at the end the players stuck around and did a uh, sort of war, lap of honor sort of thing to say thank you and um it was like a massive party not a single person left 40,000 people didn't leave for a good 20 minutes they just cheered and and yeah and how, laughed and had a good time
3: how much of it is is it an example of France being the host and turning up for the first match and what England will get to experience now winning a euro bid in the future uh like do you think do you think it it, it matters do you think that do you think that the the, the the players on the pitch played off of the stadium or do you think it was sort of like a... Do you think that the performance improved because of the rallying of...
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. Was it a home totally. crowd? Was it, it was a, fully, a home yeah. crowd. Yeah, it was a home crowd. But to be fair to South Korea, they had they had quite a few fans behind one of the goals and they, they turned up. They were a lot smaller in capacity, but they had this massive drum and it was like drumming through the... They did not stop drumming through the whole match even though they got quite frankly battered um yeah. <laughs> well you know they did um but their support was amazing in actual fact like i just wanted south korea just to get a goal for the fans um i didn't want it to, it to turn into into too much of like a smashing um yeah. but yeah france just dominated and and that's that's the france that we expected to turn up and they did and for the fans as well they did
3: but for an england team right with with all of this uh newfound success comes a lot yeah. of pressure. Yeah. You know, Eng- England's not the most friendly country <laughs> when it comes to their national teams performing yes. or underperforming yeah. that it could quickly turn if they don't come out well against Scotland to kick off the tournament. Obviously they've got plenty of players to know that it's not really about the media, but what is it going to take to rally everyone in the same way that, that the men's team did last summer?
2: Yeah, it, we do have a history of um, sort of turning turning our backs on our players sometimes when they don't necessarily quote unquote turn up to play um but I think that being at in the stadium the other day this the sort of crowd that uh, this sort of game attracted was so much more inclusive and the vibe in there was so much less aggy than a normal game um that I think everyone's just on the On the on a train to kind of support women's football as a whole, and I think yes, there is a high expectation of our team. Yes, we do have some of the best players in the world, and so the expectation is is very very high. But I think actually this World Cup is just a celebration of women's football as a whole, and um, we should just be celebrating that together.
3: But but we also do want to win, guys. (laughs) But. There could be some criticisms if they don't.
2: Yes, so I, 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 think so. I think there will be if, yeah. they don't, if they don't do well.
3: If they don't win or if they don't... What, what, let's set the bar of what success would be, right? So win the She Believes Cup over, yeah. as Ellie mentioned, Japan, US and Brazil, yeah. right? Powerhouses. A great finish the last World Cup. Where do you set the bar for success now?
2: I think from listening to interviews and um, talking to some of the players themselves, they're going out there to win. They're not. They're not going out there to be in the semis or be in the quarters or like you know they're going out there because they expect to win and they can. They actually believe that they can win and and so does the team, the whole team, the staff behind them. So for them, it's winning or nothing. But for, for me, I guess personally, like they're going to get out of the group stages. I think I'm, I put my money in them getting out of the group stages. Anything beyond that would be amazing but I just I wouldn't be disappointed if they did if they got knocked out at like the semis a quarter I mean it would be a little bit but I wouldn't be harsh on them I guess
3: yeah let me ask you a question a personal question yeah right? go on. going back you have your chance to do it all over your career your yeah. footballing career right yeah With the infrastructure that Ellie mentioned in his his preview being built in yeah would you have stuck to football all the way through
2: I would have stuck to football yeah 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 yeah, I've asked, I've asked myself that question a few times, I think, because there was a point when I was like a few years ago, I was like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not like too old to get back into it, but I kind of am at this level. And I went and trialed for like a WLS two team mm-hmm. and they invited me back for pre-season. And, but I was, al- I was already like working for myself, I had my own business set up and the, the demand to play was so much higher and the girls were a lot younger. Um, and I don't think they actually knew my age at first because when they asked, when I to- when I told them, they were like, "Oh, because I, I think they just think I look a bit younger," and they just would expect me to say like nineteen or something. You're but I was in 19? my twenties 20- yeah, here. I'm not like I'm not nineteen. 19. <laughs> Mum's upstairs waiting for me. <laughs> um, she bring you lunch? Yeah, she yeah bring me packed lunch. Yeah. No, that's my girlfriend. Um, yeah. So I think if I could go back, I probably would. I wouldn't. I would definitely give it a crack. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred um, percent. It's different. It's different now, but. It's exciting. It's really, really exciting.
3: That's great. I like. I, I just. I again. I just keep replaying some of the stuff that Ellie said in my head of just where it's going, and I'm like, why can't why can't everyone do that? You know? Yeah. And the U.S. I think is has rested on its laurels both on the men's and the women's side over the last years, and and there needs to be a revamping of things. We've seen some insecurity within the leagues, and obviously building that foundation uh, from the youth level doubling the amount of participants. You know, youth rates are through the roof, as Ellie said. It's just a really exciting time. And and while it might be early to hold them to a standard of being the best in the world through and through, I do think that they're one of the few favourites for this World Cup.
2: Yeah, I think so, yeah. I don't think we can... We can't be um, crowned the best in the world until we win a World Cup, to right. be honest. Yeah. Um, and I think we've got really good opportunity. But, yeah, watching France the other day, they are... I mean, you watch the game. Yeah, They... Were so dominant in that game, yeah, and super strong, and moved the ball around really quickly, and Renard was just sick yeah, like I was just watching even when she wasn't she didn't have the ball, I was just watching her demand that back line, and it was really cool to watch
3: but it also just shows you also uh, that just you know and, and I spoke about it in, in the last episode briefly of just how important set pieces are too yeah when you start to get when England has to play France at some point and you have a Renard that can match up against anyone and know that they're a constant threat in the box. Yeah. It can change things, right? So if you match up equally or it's, it's dead middle possession, everything, no one's giving each other an inch and you can get those set pieces and know that you've built up that rhythm. They were trying, like they had like some trick set pieces that they they didn't didn't pull off, but, but just the importance of set pieces, you can tell that they are a well-rounded team. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see if, if England can, can provide the same, uh, Box of tricks.
2: Yeah. When when they went 3-0 up, like, they were comfortable and you could see them trying, like, tri- individually as well. Like, they were putting on a show, which is really sick to see. Like, um, you, you know, they played as a team and they were very dominant and they got that 3-0 cushion and then they were all very comfortable to start, like, not nutmegging the other team. And, <laughs> I mean, the bicycle, the high, sort of half bicycle kick volley that wasn't allowed was an amazing goal. Like, it was a sick goal. <laughs> that was I was offside.
3: Yeah, but the one before that, she tried to. She do tried a to do it. Bicycle, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And that's the one that gave her the confidence to go. Oh, yeah, I, I can finish. <laughs> I yeah, 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 yeah. I'm yeah, now yeah. a striker, and she smashed that volley. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, one other thing about the France match before we uh, listen to uh, Beth Mead, mm-hmm. uh, English international, by the way, uh, is Amiri. I believe her name was Amiri. Mizuri something. <laughs> she's a left. She's a left back. Number ten. And she wears number ten. Yeah, no, I know. How that. rad I is saw that. that? Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was
2: thinking because but she was playing very high up the pitch. She was
3: super fast. As you should when yeah, you're yeah. in that position. Yeah, now, yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Right. Yeah. I was like, but I was confused. I was like, wait, is she number ten, but why is she on the left? And then I was like, oh no, she is a wing. She's a wing back.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I saw her tracking back at one point. I was like, she's gonna eventually stop. She's not gonna go all the way to the back line. And then she went to the back line. And then I went on to the live score app and I, I looked at it and I was like, number ten is playing. Left back, left back, yeah, amazing, sick, That's great. <laughs> but uh, moving on to to uh, Beth Mead, uh, who is going to tell us all the things that are on her mind. So let's roll that.
0: Hashtag Copper ninety icons.
4: Hi, I'm Beth Mead. Um, I'm a winger for Arsenal Women's team. I actually think I had a recovery session for Arsenal on a Monday, and I was actually sat on the watt bike, and I had my phone or my earphones in. Just doing recovery, and I remember Phil ringing me, and I think he just rang me and said, "I'm just gonna, I'm letting you know that I'm putting you in my squad to go to for the qualifiers for Wales." I think I'd just spoken to him a month before then for Sheba leaves, and he told me I was on standby. So obviously that was a bit disappointing to miss out on that tournament. But he told me I was doing the right things, and if I continued doing that, which he stuck to his word, and I stuck to mine on the football pitch, I actually ended up getting selected and I actually love the fact that it communicates so well Um, whether you're doing good or bad. It's nice to know where you stand with your manager and Phil actually gave me a phone call to basically let me know that I was in the squad and then we received the email later on that day but it was nice for him to communicate that first before I actually just received an email out of the blue. I think the way England have always done it was through emails and you literally received an email whether you were on standby or selected so that personal touch was always nice to receive a phone call Um, I guess it makes it a little bit more personal and you feel a little bit more wanted and important within the squad so I was actually uh, when I received my email for the World Cup selection I was actually laid in bed it was 8 o'clock in the morning um, they told us we were going to receive the email and I think I set my alarm for bang on then because I didn't want to sit there refreshing so yeah I am Opened it at 8 o'clock and it luckily said that I was selected and I was going on that plane to France, which was, I mean, I'd have started jun- jumping around, but I'd have probably looked a little bit stupid if anyone had seen me, but no, it was the best feeling ever. The difference between uh, club and national team, uh, putting the kit on, um, I guess, can be a number of different things. I guess the players around you are a completely different philosophy, cultures. Um, I mean, we've got a number of players at Arsenal are from the Netherlands, from Germany, from Austria, from Denmark, so I guess. Everyone's got their own way of going forward. Whereas at England, we've kind of all had a similar journey. In we've been through youth, we've learnt the same things, we've been in similar tournaments, we have the same philosophy. The coaches do, you know. So there's no better feeling than putting your shirt on with the Three Lions on for your country. Um, I was 12 when I started playing for England, and it's felt like a long journey to get to the uh, women's team. Even though it was probably a little bit of an anticlimax, we drew nil-nil, and we were a bit disappointed against Wales. Actually, when I got on the field in front of 30,000 people at Southampton Stadium. like That was a pretty amazing feeling. Um, I guess yeah, the uh, mindset of a female footballer can be quite differently to a male footballer. I know obviously your, your pay packet at the end of the month is probably a lot different. And at the end of your career, there's a lot of people at the moment, I know this season for Arsenal, a couple of us have been doing our coaching badges. There's some people doing masters, degrees, because yeah, right now obviously the game is getting better and the money is getting better. But it's still not enough for females to be able to retire and that be it at the end of it, you know. So, yeah, I think a lot of us have. I mean, I I made sure I got my degree before I managed to come into football, which I was lucky enough to do it when I was still part time at Sunderland. But yeah, I think we do have kind of an entrepreneur mindset because we have to, you know. And um, after football, I guess you've just got to have a backup plan, you know. Alex got she's amazing at what she does and she's been lucky enough to be in the football lifestyle still, but not everyone's got them skills or that opportunity I guess so yeah I guess we've all got to think about our own if we want to make our own brands like I know people like Jill Scott is doing like a football camp um, for young kids up north and in Manchester so that she can hopefully do that after and she makes a name I mean she's an amazing player and everyone knows who she is but yeah people have got to have a backup plan I guess. Um, I think the things I've learnt about myself through football um, I guess as a player, I've probably changed a lot in a good way. I hope. Um, I guess I was quite when I was younger. I just got on the pitch and I didn't think about anything. Um, when I was playing for a boys' team, a lot of people used to laugh at me. Parents used to laugh at me. And my first ever memory of playing for that team was actually going into a 50-50 with the biggest boy in the pitch, and everyone has obviously started hearing someone crying, and I jumped back up, and the boy was on the floor crying. So I guess. I still have that mindset of I go on the pitch and do what comes comes to mind and what comes to me. But I guess there's a lot more in my game. I guess I've grown a, a little bit as a player. I'm more confident. Um, and being I was being a number nine for most of my career and now I'm a winger. So I guess the mindset of um, an assist is just as, a, as good as a goal sometimes. ninety.
2: Cop-
3: For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877
0: Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.
2: I think she's going to have a really good World Cup. Yeah? Yeah, I'm excited uh, to watch her play. And against Scotland as well, first game. Woo, big yeah. game, big game.
3: One of the things uh, that I was talking to uh, a few of these girls about, and, and especially Beth, was this idea that uh, I think they did a panel on how they wanted to receive information, right? So oh, right. they discussed within the team, how would you would like to receive news within the team right do you right. want an email or a phone call magazine or these types of things yeah if you had to if you had to <laughs> receive that information in one way what would you do so she's talking about they said at eight eight o'clock she's going to get an email so she's right. sitting making sure she doesn't want to refresh or whatever it, it, it seems so nerve-wracking
2: is that what Even, they all decided on an email I th- or they, they had it like separately like people had different like i'd ask for like a pager yeah Old school, <laughs> or it's like, a, 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 or like a, a pigeon. Oh uh, yeah, courier pigeon. Yeah, courier pigeon. Yeah, yeah. just bring. Or like it to, an owl, yeah. like Harry Potter.
3: Yeah, it's just drop something at your doorstep. Yeah, what about you? It'd be like, a, like the. I'd want it like they're doing all those gender reveal things now, in like a balloon. Where you like <laughs> pop the balloon, and you're like either you made the team or you didn't. <laughs> yeah. Pop the balloon, and it's like if it's red, you're in the squad. Um, no, I don't know. So when I was uh, in the thirty for the twenty ten World Cup, right? Yeah. So they had to cut it down to twenty three. The main thing they said at the end of that day was, have your phones on you until 11 p.m. Because we'll be letting everyone know if they're in the squad or not That's by cool. 11 p.m. So we just played against Czech Republic. Uh, we were all back at the hotel. Everyone's sort of waiting around. 30 of us, right? It put in for four years into the cycle. And uh, 10 p.m. rolled by, no message. Uh, 10.30 rolled by, no message. 11 o'clock rolls by, no message. 12.30 in the morning, I got the call. To come down and meet uh the coaching staff so they hadn't even said anything yet they hadn't said anything so obviously when we got down there there was seven of us so we did the math that there was like 23 players missing from this meeting yeah that we weren't going to be selected for the squad but it was a really terrible thing to do that's brutal uh right? but uh, like as time has gone on i've healed yeah but like i've also thought about like w- what can you do yeah obviously there were some last minute decisions right so when you're building a squad, you obviously want to bring as few defenders as possible so you can bring as many ta- attackers as possible. So yeah. if you have somebody who can play center half and left back or left back and left midfield, you can start to use those as like kind of versatile players yeah. so you can start to bring in more strikers. Because if, you if you're get if you a manager and you get that feeling of like, I've got this streaky striker, hasn't done well in the national team, has done really well in the club team, I've got this gut instinct, I want to throw him in and see what happens. Um, you want to, you want to have those at, at your disposal, but you don't want to leave yourself too exposed in case you have injuries and whatnot. So building a roster in last minute is, is quite difficult. But it was it was really torturous for me to go through that, especially because they gave a very hard hard deadline of like when to have your phone, and then went on over you by. It. and went over it by a couple hours till I heard anything. I, it, it was an eleventh hour thing, but like an update would have been nice. Yeah, you know, still working through some stuff. Keep your phone on you. When you're radio silence, 2 hours of radio silence on something that you've been working that long towards yeah. can be torture. So like think about Beth, she made it, but there's a couple others that didn't.
2: Yeah, I wonder how they f- well, I guess they would have found out by email like yeah. everyone else. Yeah. Not by pigeon. Yeah. Um we used to do a thing, well, I didn't, but when I was on pirate radio, there was this thing called destroy and rebuild and it would happen like every year kind of thing and we would know that the boss would be listening to every single show that was going out on air and at some point if you walked out the studio during your show at the end sorry and there was someone stood there usually the radio manager that would be it that's your you're off, off it now really yeah and it was like called, done yeah done that was your last show no wow. pro no warning and it was called this is pirate radio by the way so there's no sort of like yeah. you know there's no problem manager, man, managerial thing the structure put in place yeah it was called destroy and rebuild and like everyone would be on it on twitter like hashtag destroy and rebuild like this is what's going to happen thankfully it never happened to me but i saw it happen to a few people and it's pretty brutal like
3: great for entertainment terrible for the person that it's happening exactly to, right? yeah
2: like how did you cope with that afterwards
3: i, I Quite honestly, it was it was really rough. Right. Uh, The roughest part was I I had to fly the next day to a match, and I started the match on the bench just because I was pretty distraught. Went to warm up the start of the second half in Chicago, and behind one of the goals in in, in the stand was a set of fans, and they were chanting "U.S. reject" as I was warming up. And that was like the first. That was the closest I ever came from doing like an Eric Cantona and just going straight (laughs) two feet to the chest of a fan uh, and literally punching somebody because it was like i'm pretty immune to most criticisms and you hear some wild stuff in a stadium but that was the one where it was just like while us as club teams should hate each other like i represent your country yeah and you should be rallying for us and they were just like cutting me to my core and obviously they're trying to get into my head and 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 it did it 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 really really worked so it, it was pretty rough for a while um But ultimately, I look back and I I I had some incredible experiences. I went back into the national team after that World Cup. I had more caps, I had more runs, but it was obviously a long time coming. I turned down bigger money offers along the way for the sake of taking small steps, make sure I'm playing regularly to stay in the national team pool. So in retrospect, you you kind of rethink all that and go like I should have done it differently. But you know, a lot of people didn't get into the national team, so I try to keep that perspective as much as possible. um, But then allow myself once in a while to go into a. Uh, a corner and cry uh, <laughs> we're here for you mate oh, the podcast
2: thanks. team are here for you don't worry about it
3: i feel much better just getting that off my chest <sighs> Dude, i feel, yeah, like, I this feel just like therapy Ooh, isn't it you guys got to carry that for the
1: rest of your life but i'm i've washed my hands clean <laughs> of this drama
2: all right so we've got an inside score from the opposing team as well scotland should we give it a listen
1: Scotland may be heading to their first ever World Cup, but don't let the debutants tag fool you, as this team, led by the much-talked-about Arsenal star Kim Little, showed their abilities and character in qualifying, with multiple never-say-die-come-from-behind victories that saw them top their group and qualify directly above their then far higher-ranked group opponent, Switzerland. Whilst usually a team debuting in the tournament would focus on getting the easy points and target the lesser opponents in the group, the Scottish have all eyes on their first match and their toughest group opponents, England, who as well as being the opponents in the historic old enemy rivalry, pummeled the Scots at their Euro 2017 opening match 6-0. Whilst as previously mentioned, their opening match against England already provides enough backstory to fire the Scots up, there is one extra narrative tied into this game that proves that before a ball is even kicked, the Scots have already won. As it's this exact fixture, Scotland vs England, that in 1972 debuted the newly reformed Scotland women's team, that 1972 side had to travel around in a milk van and played that game against England, wearing shirts bought at a jumble sale. However, 47 years later, the Scottish women's team is comprised of elite players from some of the world's biggest clubs that were sent off in front of a record-breaking 18,000 Scottish football fans who were embracing the women's game in huge numbers. Since 2017, there's been a 59% spike in participation by under 12s, and since 2013, the numbers playing for clubs in Scottish women's football has almost doubled. On top of that, the Scottish Building Society has pledged a significant sponsorship of the national SWF league. The second division has been raised to ten sides, a TV deal has been struck with BBC Alba, and next season two Scottish clubs for the very first time will play in the Women's Champions League. Much of this has been credited to the relentless work of Swede Anna Signel, whose impressive 12-year coaching tenure, on top of taking Scotland to their first-ever Euros, even more impressively played a huge role in the introduction of the academy system and relentlessly pushed for greater investment and higher standards in the Scottish women's game. But after taking the team to Euro 2017, where they only missed out on the knockout stages on goal difference, Signal moved on to passes new in Finland. For most teams, losing as influential and as important of a figurehead as their long-time coach could potentially create a devastating power vacuum and structural damage. But luckily, the Scots found a worthy replacement in former national team captain Shelley Kerr. Born in a tiny village in the hills of West Lothian, the no-nonsense, tough-as-nails mentality of rural Scotland that was instilled in Kerr was needed so that the former defender could thrive in the then extremely underfunded Scottish women's game. As a player, international duty saw Kerr having to pay £50 of her own money just to stay in the team hotel and having to share tracksuits with teammates where one would wear the tracksuit top and the other would wear the tracksuit bottoms. Earning her first cap in 1989, Kerr retired shortly after due to the birth of her daughter. Her returned to the national team eight years later and only a day after a biopsy brought upon a medical scare. The lack of funding at the time also meant juggling careers, where Kerr balanced her time on the pitch with a production line job at the Mitsubishi electrical plant in Livingston, where she stayed on for 17 years, working her way up to management level. Whilst many would look back in anger at the injustices of the era, Kerr proudly boasts of the time credit it for giving her the discipline and courage to thrive in the game. And perhaps it was this courage that gave her the belief to apply and successfully become the first female manager in British men's senior football, where she took charge of Stirling University men, leading the team to consistent top five league finishes and the British University's championship final in 2014-15, as well as also establishing an under-20 program as a pathway to the full team for players in her time in charge. Whilst getting a result against their British rivals may still be a long shot, if anyone's got the courage to take it to the third best team in the world, it's Shelley Kerr's Scotland. Inside
2: score. I actually don't think it's a long shot. No? I think, they've, I think they're going to do That's only because they have a right. bunch of Arsenal players. No, no. Well, well like yeah, they that. do have yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, they have Lisa Evans from, from Arsenal. Uh, obviously, they have Kim Little from Arsenal as well, but Caroline Weir from Man City. Emma Mitchell Mitchell and Erin Cuthbert from um, Chelsea as well. And then they've got West Ham player. I'm pretty sure they've got another Man City player. Um, They have a strong squad. So I feel like people are underestimating them a little bit. It's
3: wild that this is their first World Cup. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's so bizarre.
2: So they must be stoked as well. They must be so up for it. And um, like Eddie said as well, Shelley Kerr is now the manager, obviously another Arsenal uh, legend. Where is West Lothian? Wow. That's where she shone.
3: question because I was going to ask you if you know where it is. I
2: think it's uh, somewhere um from the Game of Thrones. That's what it sounds like.
3: I refuse to do these uh, do the stereotypes, but I'm just thinking of like any battle scene. West Lothian. Shelly place. Breaker of and, Chains. Like, yeah. Anywhere any battle scene that's just like rolling hills, rain coming down sideways. Like Is it it's in rain. Scotland, isn't it? Yeah, I believe yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. That but that, that's the way I imagined it the first time. I heard that, but <laughs> but it sounds like it, it sounds like it, it is a very rural place. So yeah. I couldn't. Believe... Yeah, her
2: story sounds really really cool. Yeah, um, but yeah, I th- honestly think that it's going to be a good game, and obviously, like it's one of the
3: oldest derbies
2: ever to exist. So historically, it, it's always been an entertaining game.
3: And one of the things that's that's interesting, and it's such a Scottish mentality thing, is of their seven victories in the route to France, four of them were come from behind wins. Oh
2: really? Yeah, four Did of them they fact. clawed
3: their way back. And took the points.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be a really good game. Yeah.
3: They're going to be tough to beat. Predictions. I mean, it, it would be foolish to not go with England on this one. They've got so much momentum. I think they were undefeated right in qualifying, eight of eight or something. Um, like that in qualifying. Yes, but yeah. they
2: they lost their game, their most recent game against New Zealand, which yeah. was again unexpected.
3: Yeah, but New Zealand was pretty decent in that match, right? Yeah,
2: they played a really good yeah. game. Yeah,
3: but I, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with England uh, for the sake of the beer throwing and all the things <laughs> that I want to see happen uh, this summer. So England uh, 2-0. I'm
2: going to go 3-1 England.
3: Oh, wow. Yeah. Goalfest. Yeah. Goalfest. I love a goalfest. You're such a striker. Love goals. Yeah. I'd be like, nil, nil, hard fought draw. Everyone wins. Yeah. Sometimes you're, you're like, like no. when there's
2: just goals going in, I forget which team I'm supporting. I'm just like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't support that team. Yeah. But it was a sick goal, so I'm not sure.
3: Yeah. So, yeah, that's it that's the podcast. end of the show yeah. god that went quick this is football inside out we'll be back tomorrow make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts Spotify and uh, Acast or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you never miss an episode and if you enjoyed this leave us a review preferably five stars I'm a big fan of five stars <laughs> hotels reviews all that stuff
2: and get in touch because we'd love to hear from you as well. Send us an email and voice notes to footballinsideout at Copa90.com. We'd love to share your thoughts on the show and tweet us using the hashtag, hashtag Copa90insideout. That's it from us. Um, we'll see you tomorrow. See you. Bye. Copa90, Football Copa90. Inside
0: Out.